0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio, a very interesting episode. We're going to talk about movies as a manufactured product. With us is Nicholas Tana, who is the CEO of Smart Media. He is also the author of E-Junkie, a sci-fi futuristic graphic novel. It's distributed by Simon & Schuster. Nick, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here.
2: Thank you, Nick.
1: So let's talk about manufacturing and movies, because when I chatted earlier on this topic, I'm convinced that a a movie is a manufactured product.
0: Yeah, most definitely. It's the manufacturing of dreams. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Movie, movie making actually is one of the biggest um, earners for the county of Los Angeles entertainment, um, or has been traditionally. And uh, there are armies of people involved in the manufacturing of the movies that you watch. Um, So all of those people um, are, are using various machines and hardware to kind of capture the images, edit those images, and then eventually distribute them as movies and, and TV shows that, uh, that you all get to enjoy. Um, those methods, those, those tools that are being used are constantly changing and evolving. Uh, it, they tend to get a little bit smaller. They tend to get faster. They tend to be more productive with time. And, um, and all of those things allow for new innovation Um, and essentially they also replaced the amount of people needed to run the tools. And that's essentially what we're experiencing right now is what we would call flattening of, of the manufacturing process so that, um, what it takes to produce movies, it's gradually requiring less people, um, more tools. Um, and, uh, and, and that's basically the changes that you're starting to see now reflective of the. You know, union strikes that are, that are taking place at the moment to try to um, prepare and uh, for these changes that are happening and uh, somewhat
2: resist them. So to that point, Hollywood is on strike. There is no TV, no movies, no nothing. However, Barbie has brought in a billion dollars already, but. Where do we go from here? I mean, there's no movies being made, no TV shows are being made. Yeah, well, fortunately, Hollywood does prepare.
0: And we went through a couple of years where we were shut down as well. And there was the pandemic where things were being optioned and um, and there's a lot of projects. So then after the pandemic opened up, there was an influx and a backlog of things that were going into production to kind of get them ready, right? So so that it was like you was like you stopped the train and everyone was like on board, ready to get to the next destination, and suddenly we were like green, let's go, boom, and then the trains just started going full steam ahead. And so Hollywood tends to produce things years in advance. So if, for example, you've got a deal and, and your movie was going to be made based on something you wrote or whatever, that likely scenario is that once you've made that deal, that movie doesn't see the light of day for two to five years. Mm-hmm. So if you consider that, like the time it takes to go through the system to be you know, prepared for pre-production and the contracts to get everyone on board to make the movie and that they actually produce the movie and then the edit the movie and then get it ready for sales and distribution, that's such a long period of time that there's plenty in the back burner, so to speak, to kind of keep the machine going while it's shut down. That being said, eventually, yes, you do feel that if depending on how long those strikes go, you run out of content. Um, And then what will happen is usually a lot of the shows that might have been canceled might get brought back or a lot of the shows. I mean, one of the interesting things about entertainment is that we have a content overload almost like I, I don't know anyone that is watching the same shows anymore. You know, like if you tell me the shows you're watching, chances are 90% of them are things maybe I'm not watching. Whereas like 20 years ago, that was not the case. There weren't so many options and we were all kind of overlapping in what we watched. And, and so that being said, like there's plenty of ways to kind of market shows you might've missed that were out there all along and now it becomes new to you. So I think given all that information, yes, it's shut down, but there's plenty of content still out there.
2: So let's talk about the what's caused this shutdown. AI, the dirty word, or some are trying to make it a dirty word. I happen to love AI, but that's me. So give us a little insight how AI is affecting all this whole thing.
0: Happy to, and but I want to be with a clarifying point. AI is just the tip of the iceberg on what's affecting things here. Um, what's been affecting Hollywood has been taking place for years. And it has to do with how movies earn money. So years ago, there were something called DVDs. <laughs> and, and DVDs were a very viable income revenue stream for entertainment. DVDs kind of went out the window with streaming. So then, now you have the convenience to be able to watch things on Netflix or Amazon on your phone in so many different ways at your, at your leisure. You can pay one fee and basically watch anything you want to watch. You don't have to own it, per se, to be able to see movies. And and people were willing to do that because of the convenience and the cost effectiveness of it. So DVDs went out the window. That was a really big way in which movies made money. It was a guaranteed... Income, whereas now, like, oh, maybe you get Disney Plus for Mandalorian, but then after that's over, you don't want it anymore. You cancel it and you move back to Netflix or whatever. There's no guaranteed revenue stream. It's moving constantly, right? So, so DVDs were were a really solid way in which we were able to get money, um, and it didn't move so much. You know, if you wanted that movie, you bought the DVD. In addition to that, was movie theaters actually prior to DVDs, and movie theaters were a solid revenue stream. People aren't going to the movies like they used to with competing media. Um, the the other thing was uh, was cable television. You know, where you were able to buy, you were able to buy ads or even just television itself on uh, you know the way it was syndicated. Ad revenue drove most of that, and there was a lot of money you can get for eyeballs on an advertisement. That's been changed with subscription, you don't watch those ads like you used to. So we went to a subscription model so that reduced the income one would earn from ads, which could be very significant. So all those things have been building up over time to make movie making not as lucrative as it used to be. Um, and so a lot of the w- reason why people get involved in movie making is because you're able to make money in other ways, selling the Barbie dolls or selling the other properties that are associated with the movie and things like that. And that's why most of the movies you're seeing are things based on toys or based on books or th- other things where you can make money. So now coupled with AI, right? How does AI impact that and even made it worse? Well, AI has allowed for Um, a flattening of the amount of people needed to make movies. So let's say you needed 30 writers to sustain a show before. Well, now in theory, one or two can potentially do what those 30 did with the use of AI, which is generating scripts and doing things based on algorithms and data sets and all this previous history of how movies got written, right? Um, The same goes for actors. Actors can be now replaced. Um, You don't need live actors per se. You can you can have people look like live actors in their CGI, right? So all of that is putting the pressure on actors and writers to say, hey, we need to figure out ways in which we can increase the amount of money we make now because they're gonna potentially be hiring less of us and they're not gonna be paying us in the same way. So that's essentially what we're dealing with. Um, more than just AI, but also a shift in how movies make money.
2: They will never ever be able to duplicate Sharon Stone the way Sharon Stone is. I've seen a Sharon Stone look-alike. It doesn't work. Well, you know, back in the day, they used to tell
0: for 10 years, so. I remember the arguments where you will never replicate a film with video, until suddenly we did.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What's the expression? It's impossible until it's not? exactly Exactly. mandela who said that exactly and i'm sure at
0: one point in time in history they said man will never be meant to fly right and now you know i don't know how many airplanes you've taken but you know uh i'll be taking one to new york for the new york comic-con coming up and uh um you know it is the way you know things change when when they do
1: (laughs) no doubt So this flattening that's occurring, I remember when, you know, uh, pre-Microsoft Word, which I'm very grateful for, and Grammarly, which I'm also grateful for, I had to use a IBM typewriter. Mm -hmm. And if you were doing any kind of serious documentation, you had a whole steno pool of people typing, uh, and now you don't. So you just gave an example of the flattening of the writers. What about the behind the scenes people, the camera people? Is that also occurring there as well, Nick? Oh, tremendously. Yeah.
0: Because like how many people it takes to man some of these cameras are going to be diminished with time. You know, like some for example, there was a person that's whole job is to pull focus on a camera, right? You know, that, that is their job. Well, when that's automated. Through machinery that that's synced with computer systems and you know that that can be all controlled by one person remotely. That's moving the camera and pulling focus. You don't necessarily need to pay someone a union salary to be you know basically sitting there doing that job, right? So so that's just one example. I mean the the examples keep going. I mean even up down the line to like casting, you know, and there's people that are just responsible for knowing where extras or different actors are on the set to move them to different locations to time production, right? Well, with trackers and the way that that can be automated and one person on their computer can kind of track and monitor where the people are at what time and and, and ping them kind of like you do, you go to a restaurant, right? At one point in time, you had to go up to the host and say, hey, is my table ready? Now they give you a little beeper and then you can walk off wherever and then it beeps and it's like your table's ready, come back, right? Well, these things are all happening behind the scenes with how people are um, being moved through the system and managed, and they're reducing the amount of people needed as technology
1: evolves. It's funny you use that example, because I love to watch movies for continuity of placement of objects. The soda can that was there that isn't there, wearing a jacket, but in this scene, they're not wearing the jacket. Uh. Yeah,
0: Yeah, there is a person that's responsible for script continuity, exactly that. Now, can you imagine running an algorithm that can kind of tag and track those things on a frame? And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom, inconsistency, boom, inconsistency. I mean, you won't be able to beat that, you know. And so, um, so yeah, that's another example you bring up where that will be replaced that role. And, and 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 it's just getting. I mean, there's so many examples of that throughout the system. I mean, if you look at like AR and VR, where now you're able to kind of build virtual environments and imagine what a movie can look like. One of the biggest innovations is if you're noticing gaming industry. Gaming industry now makes more money than actually Hollywood does. Games bring in more revenue than movies. And one of the big engines that there, it's this kind of um, real. Um, um, the inches that actually drive these games and it's the video cards that kind of allow the generation of video. Unity is like one of the biggest companies behind um, this new um, live generation of video that's happening. So when you play a video game, for example, as you're moving through different scenarios, whole buildings are being generated and shadows and shading and trees and things like that essentially designing a set as you move through the game to match it to make it look like it's real and it's really in front of you well they're using that same technology now to kind of design and map out you know like what was back in the day like sketched you know uh, storyboards and things like that now you can actually move through the movie and essentially see what a scene will be like with music and all that and, and basically play out the movie using CGI, you know? Um, and you won't necessarily, you can save a lot of time and money in terms of going down a rabbit hole that doesn't work. Um, in terms of props, the people that would build and construct the props, 3D modeling, you can sort of basically render 3D models of things and you don't have to design all these props. Um, so you're gonna flatten the amount of people and the costs involved in that labor too. So it's across the board we're talking a flattening of the amount of people needed, a reduction of the amount of people needed, and the unions want to keep armies behind the process to finance it all, you know, to get them paid and keep feeding people's families, but the reality is when you don't need to, where's the the drive to kind of continue an old method that's no longer needed right and can those people be served in different areas now can they go get jobs in areas where we do need them moving forward that's leveraging the tools and that's the question right
1: clearly to to your
2: all your points i remember watching movies from the 30s and 40s um 1930s 1940s (laughs) and they had props. They had background. They had phony background. They would run a movie. They would run a movie behind uh, somebody cowboy riding a horse. I mean, it was all phony. It was, mm-hmm. and it was it was terrible. So then they came up with, okay, let's go on site. So they would spend bazillion amount of money going all over the world to take a picture of uh, uh, Mount Fuji, but mm-hmm. the real one. All right, Mm -hmm. now we're going back to to creating a phony Fuji. Doesn't the actors act different when they're on location versus with these phony backgrounds?
0: Well, that depends on how good the the actors are, I guess. <laughs> you know, in theory, if 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 um you're acting well, you can uh, a rock can be your mom, right? Like you you, you can you can it's a matter of your your imagination and you being able to put yourself in a scene. Um, what's the famous quote? I think it was Dustin Hoffman playing in one of the movies with um, Lawrence Olivier, possibly. And 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 Dustin Hoffman spent all night long staying up preparing for a role to kind of get in the moment, you know, to, to really feel like tired or whatever. And 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 um and he's like, you yeah, know, I did this and you know, to get prepared for the scene. And and uh Lawrence Olivier is like, Well, why don't you just act it? <laughs> so, so so you know, like again, like you know, that's part of acting, right? Acting is going to evolve, but can you still project and imagine that that screen or that LED or that thing that's behind there is happening and then play to it? And I think the the better actors and the ones that are going to stay working are the ones that can.
1: Let's touch on your book for a moment, E-Junkie. How did you come up with the storyline for that book, Nick?
0: Yeah, um, well, E-Junkie actually started sort of as a, a dream turned nightmare. Yeah. um I, I, I probably all a lot of good stories that way um i i you know i had this kind of dream where i was almost being like you know they, t- they talk about like aliens were like trying to duck me in my dream and i was being experimented on and and they had this device that they put on my head that was keep suddenly making me totally calm and okay with it and part of me was like well I, am i okay with this but I'm kind of okay with this, you know, and I was like having this calm. And that was the whole impetus for like the emotional regulation technology that's being used in this future world. And then that coupled with my own personal journeys, I, unfortunately, you know, I have a very complex child that has complex needs. And so I've been in hospitals a lot. And I started witnessing the people going through the hospital system and all the, the, the medicines and the whole system around trying to keep people comfortable and to manage pain and suffering. Um, and uh, and working in an industry with IT consulting, I've consulted for biotech companies, and I've seen some of the, 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 the medicines and the drugs being manufactured to kind of help with pain and suffering. and uh, And then that balancing that out with the side effects of with every solution we create, there's more problems. And the idea that our whole culture through movies and entertainment and sports and even medicine, we anesthetize ourselves to deal with pain and suffering. And so I thought, wow, imagine a future world where we do manage to regulate away pain and suffering through technology, would the world be a better place? And I questioned that in the story E-junkie, which stands for experience junkie, where we're all trying to experience so many things, you know, from video games to the movies, to this, to travel to, we always want something, you know, and um, to be happy. And so I, I wanted to imagine a future world that does this and, and if it would be better. And that was this, the basic, so nightmare turned my life experiences morphed into a story that kind of makes one question where we're going in society um and that was the impetus for the story
2: so is e junkie on amazon
0: yeah it's on amazon it's on barnes and noble it's in most places where books are still sold um you can also call your local bookstore to support your local bookstore and order a copy um that's e-j-u-n-k-y um and uh it actually releases simon and schuster scout comics put out a few uh comic uh issue one comic and then um the uh distributor of the book the graphic novel that will be coming out this September 21st I believe um is uh Simon and Schuster. So uh so you can you know their website has it on there too so uh you can pre-order that right now actually. So
2: thanks for that info.
1: Nicholas yeah. your book has a whole chapter on the fall of the Hollywood studio system because of technology and we've been talking a little bit about the manufacturing of movies and how it's being flattened and and i without being fully familiar with that chapter i have watched the independent filmmaker making their films, selling them to netflix or hulu or whomever to feed the stream i would have to agree that the hollywood studio system the way it was 50 years ago may not be that way for too much longer
0: yeah, I mean, I really think that's true and I kind of put up what I think is a prescient chapter in the book on the fall of the, the collapse of the Hollywood studio system um, and it's funny because the chapter starts with the the fall of the unions. And, and and with the strikes of the unions and the fall of the unions and and I think I think that's kind of inevitable. I know this is going to make me unpopular with certain people because I think you, what you want to be a reality and what reality is based on facts and where we're going may often often are two different things. And and as someone who's had to survive in Hollywood and make money through entertainment, you have to think ahead. You have to see where things are going so you can prepare and plan. And so it's it's by putting my head in the sand and just trying to resist and, and whatever that's not going to get me anywhere. And if I look throughout history, you know, my great grandfather was an ice man. You know, at some point he knew with refrigeration that was not a career. You know, and so so I think you just have to be ready to pivot. And, um, and yes, this chapter kind of foresees it and it does similar things, but it even advances it beyond where like in the future world, eventually through technology, you can see what one is thinking and dreaming and it gets projected. And so dream projections become like the new influencers, right, you know, um, and it gets so far so that. And then all actors are replaced by CGI. no one reads books anymore, but people are actually um, seeing historical reenactments or historical, you know, acting stories out. So you don't read books, but you actually see it acted out in front of you through through devices you wear and in, in within re- the real world. And that's how we digest entertainment. And so, and eventually the actors that were once spot, you know paid to do those things get replaced by CGI and by computer generated images and hologram images. And I, I can't help but thinking that's absolutely going to be the case, especially as people die off and new people grow up only knowing the future of entertainment, they're not gonna have the nostalgia for what was. I mean, try getting kids today to go watch a Charlie Chaplin movie, you know? I mean, it's <laughs> you know, put, put a five-year-old and, and have them watch that and tell you what they think of it. I mean, the reality is, unless you're taught to appreciate the history and what he brought to the table, it's kind of hard to have appreciation for it.
2: Really? the (laughs) A-tracker. Yeah. As as we approach our closing moments, I do want to read one question that you, uh, one comment that you were quoted in the LA Times. So it's a long sentence, so I'm going to read it. If you don't regulate AI or jump in and say, as people, we want to do something about it. Our world will flatten and basically crumble. Can you elaborate on this? Well, you already did elaborate before I asked the question. The point is, is this all going to end well?
0: That, I guess that depends on your viewpoint. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um, but it, but in general, I can say, um, you know, with every evolution comes good and bad right? Good for some, bad for others. Um, You know, I I think in general, those statements were meant mostly in context to the entertainment industry. However, I think it involves all industries. I think entertainment is going to be one of the first to be hit, obviously is already. Um, I think moving forward, a lot of roles are going to get replaced through AI and other technology. And People are going to have to upskill and and kind of find ways to work with the tools in a different way, so that we're we're much like Mickey Mouse and Fantasia, you know, we're 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 getting the mops to sweep up the mess for ourselves,
1: <laughs> you
0: know, um, and then it becomes the magic, right? Um, I I I think uh, if we look at it as Terminator and we want to, you know, and it's taking over, I mean. Yes, I think all technology can be used for bad things. I mean, look at the car, you know, it could take someone to a hospital and, you know, a drunk driver can kill somebody, right? But it doesn't mean the car intrinsically is bad for society. It's how we use it, right? Um, I, think, I think there's going to be, unfortunately though, in general, we, we live in a very pivotal time where the tools we've created can create themselves to some extent. They Can replica and create themselves. So what that means is we, we lose a predictability on how fast and exponentially things are going, even more than we did before. And so it's harder to predict how quickly things are going to pivot and change, which always is scary for people. And it's going to get a little challenging for people to keep up, educational systems to keep up, to kind of educate and, and, and get the next generation ready to leverage that. Many people will unfortunately probably lose jobs and have to, and, and, and as jobs get lost. More people are going to flood and not have money coming in to be able to afford things. So then the question becomes, do we need some kind of a stipend-driven economy to kind of supplement these things? And I think these are profound questions that we're going to have to start answering in the, in the very soon, in the years to come, all of us in every industry. And that's kind of what I meant by that quote. Um, to, to put our head in the sand is not going to necessarily get us anywhere.
2: Washington, D.C. can solve the problem. <laughs> <Right. Tim? laughs> well, I just,
1: I just want to re- reassure everyone, before you, you jump on uh, your tweets and beat up on Nick Mostana, in 1970, the population of the United States was 150 million people. Today, we employ 165 million people in the United States. More than the population some 50, 60 years ago. So the jobs will be there. They'll just be different. Nicholas, thanks for joining us. Thank you
0: for having me. I appreciate thank, it. Thank you.
1: And for all of those who are watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. You can check us out at mfgtalkradio.com. And we push this out on LinkedIn and all of the listening platforms as well. iHeartRadio, Radio, or Terrestrial Radio. So come back. Watch us drill through this episode, and thanks for being with us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio.
0: That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please like and subscribe, share on social media, or leave a review. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Rumble, or your favorite podcast app. Visit us online at mfgtalkradio.com for our other episodes. We have also included links to our advertisers below. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.